Hello and welcome to the seventh episode of the Offseason Champions Podcast. I'm Sean, and this is a podcast dedicated to the Washington Redskins. Thank you all for listening. I truly appreciate your time. Now I have to say that I have thoroughly enjoyed doing these last few episodes. It has really just reignited my love for this team and a passion for consuming as much Redskins information as I can get my hands on. This offseason, it just feels different. I can't put my finger on it. I can't just point to one thing specifically. But there's just a different energy around this team. And I've loved every minute of it. Last week, I discussed the continuing saga that is the Trent Williams situation, as I seem to be doing every week now. And I'm sure it will continue to be a focus of the podcast until the issue is resolved one way or another. Uh, I also went over most of the news surrounding the team and touched on some other notable items from around the league. And I really just tried to focus on the progression of the team throughout the first week of camp, uh, going over who stepped up and who is really developing into the players that this team needs. Um, I plan to continue with the same format this week. Um, So let's get into the second week of the Washington Redskins training camp. So let's start off with the fifth day of training camp, Tuesday, July 30th. I know I finished my last podcast going over the potential signing of Donald Penn, but I wanted to start there again. This is really a pretty significant signing for this offensive line. Uh, It was reported by Ian Rappaport that Donald Penn was flying to D.C. to sign a one-year deal with the Redskins. Now, Donald Penn is 6'4", 315 pounds, and 36 years old. He came into the league in 2006 as an undrafted free agent to the Vikings out of Utah State. Uh, he played in Tampa from 2006 to 2013, and he played for the Raiders from 2014 to 2018. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, 2010, 2016, and 2017, and he has played 178 games, 174 of which he has started. Now, I think with Trent not being a camp, and with losing Ty and Seki in free agency to the Bills, the Redskins need depth. They need another veteran who has really had in-game experience and someone that can step up when needed. Now, I know this team has some depth at O-line with some of these young players and second-year players, but not having Trent Williams at camp means this team needs to adapt for the now and be ready for the later, hopefully when Trent returns. And if Trent holds out, into the season or doesn't return at all, I truly think Donald Penn could be a suitable replacement at left tackle. Now, he's nowhere near where Trent Williams would have been. However, he can fill in and start for this team if needed. He's also a veteran, and we all know he can play the position, which this team needs at training camp. They need someone of his caliber lining up against the D-line, mentoring the other tackles, and working with the guards who are both still being developed at the position. Now, I really like the signing a lot uh, because Donald Penn is experienced and he's a veteran who can step in and play at an NFL caliber when needed. He also has a few weeks to build a rapport with the O-line, learn the playbook, and just get familiar with the coaching staff and team. Again, I think this organization should do whatever it takes to keep Trent William on this team. But this is a great signing, especially in the current state of this offensive line. The offensive lines coach, Bill Callahan, said about Donald Penn, hopefully we can settle Eric inside now that Donald's coming. I feel good about guard with Eric and Wes being beginning to be developed. Donald gives us another left tackle we can work, and hopefully we can get Trent back. And when asked about Trent Williams, he said, it's the next man up philosophy, so guys are getting developed. We're mixing and matching a lot of guys. With guys coming back from injuries, it's good to add more depth with Donald. Uh, The day started with Gruden doing his normal presser. Uh, Gruden started by gushing over Tim Settle, saying he looked a lot stronger than he had this time last year. And, of course, mainly due to his workouts with Payne and Ioannidis and Allen. Um, Gruden said he had to follow suit with the the other three guys or he won't last long. 
I mean, this entire front five has been working out together since the end of last season and pushing one another throughout the offseason. Obviously, it's working because the group looks great. They look really strong, and they're just connected. Uh, Gruden went on and talked about Settle and Caleb Brantley and how they'll both be getting a lot more playing time. He wants to have a more of a rotation and keep that group of guys rested when he can. Uh, when asked about Trent, he said, I have no update. When I have one, I'll let you know. Obviously, he's getting more and more frustrated with his absence, the constant questions about it, and how it's just overshadowing everything coming out of this camp. Um, in response to Dwayne Haskins' great day and being asked about it, he said he's got a long way to go. He needs to pick up his tempo. Um, but again, his, his good day cannot be denied. He had a pretty, pretty good day on day four. Uh, as far as the QB battle goes, Haskins, again, had a really great day out there. He seems like he really found his rhythm on the field again. Uh, he looked comfortable out there again. Um, he did have a pair of picks to end the day during his two-minute drills. But overall, he had a great day. He's got continued growth and continuity between practices. I know it's still early, but if he can keep stringing days like this together, he could really win out this Q, QB1 job. Uh, if I had to say who won the day, I'd say Haskins and McCoy both finished the day strong. But from everything I saw and heard and read, Haskins has had by far the best day of the three. Um, some other notable items from the day. Uh, Jaron Christian started the day at left tackle, who was backed up by Flowers. Uh, Flowers started at left guard, and he was backed up by Wes Martin. And Tr Chase Rouillet was back starting at center, and he was backed up by Bergstrom. Um, we finally had our first fight of training camp. It took, I guess, five days to get there, uh, and the heat did not help everything. It was very hot out there, and all morning, I guess the last few days, the offensive line and defensive line have been jawing at each other, um, and it was just getting more and more testy. Tension finally broke and boiled over uh, with JoJo Wicker and Tyler Catalina at the center of it. Catalina was shoved by Tim Settle during the scuffle, and then he retaliated by punching Settle right in the face mask. After that, it seemed like everyone jumped in on the action. Eventually, everyone was separated and put back on a practice field. Uh, a few minutes later, a second fight broke out, this time between Jeremy Sprinkle and Monte Nicholson. Uh, Monte Nicholson tackled Sprinkle and just held him down to the ground. He wouldn't let him up. And while Sprinkle was getting up, he speared Monte, took him down. And again, it was a much smaller fight than the first one. But it was definitely chippy out there. Um, a funny moment on the day was when Tress Way was practicing. He saw someone in the number five jersey and asked them, is that a Way jersey? The fan turned around and was like, yeah, it is. He yelled, yes. And uh, Way screamed, yes, I got my heart broken the other day. Saw number five and it was McNabb. Um, I, it's great to just see these guys having fun out there and enjoying you know, the fan base being there with them. Uh, another funny moment was when Troy Quinn, who, again, he's been having a great camp. He looks great, uh, especially in his cuts. He looks really comfortable in this offense. But at one point, he caught a short pass and scored. And all camp, he's been doing this thing where after he scores in the end zone, he spikes the ball, one of those huge Gronk spikes. Um, so he's lining up to do it. Moe came out and goes, don't do it. Quinn looked at him. He paused for you know, a second and then spiked it. I mean, <laughs> you got to love this guy. He's having fun out there. I think he's looking more and more comfortable each day. And hopefully it translates to on-field success. Uh, him replacing Jamison Crowder. It's going to be uh, big shoes to fill. And I, I really think he can do it. Uh, the only, only other notable item was Alex Smith was on the field again. He was on crutches, of course. But uh, he worked with the QBs and spent a lot of time on that side of the field uh, with Haskins going over a lot of things. Uh, it's really just great to see Alex out there upright working with this group. I mean, he's a true leader and a genuine guy. Um, my standouts on the day were definitely Dwayne Haskins, Trey Quinn, uh, Jimmy Moreland. I mean, he had one pick on seven and sevens, just another one late in the day. But he seems to be all over the place making plays everywhere. So it's really going to be interesting to see how he fits in with this cornerback team's or squad during the season. Um, 
the Redskins ended the day after practice working at an, addition, an additional four more offensive linemen. <clears throat> day six, uh, Wednesday, July 31st, uh, during Gruden's presser, he announced that the Redskins signed Hugh Thornton at guard uh, after trying them out Tuesday afternoon. Uh, he is 6'3", 320 pounds, and 28 years old. He was drafted by the Colts in 2013, third round, 86th overall. Um, he played with the Colts from 2013 to 2016, uh, drafted out of Illinois. Uh, played 2017, he signed with the Falcons. Later in the year, he retired from the NFL completely. In 2019, he came out of retirement and joined an AFL team, the Arizona Hotshots. Uh, in his career, he's played 37 games. He started 32. Uh, likely, he's just another camp body for the O-line to keep everyone fresh. But, you know, who knows? He might turn heads and make a push for a starting job. Um, with the signing of both Donald Penn and uh, Hugh Thornton, uh, the Redskins waived Casey Dunn, uh, designated as an injury, and actually Tyler Catalina, a day after his fight, uh, he was waived. Um, Gruden also said that he anticipates Bryce Love to start on the NFI, and that means he'll me- miss the at least the first six weeks of the season. Um, Jordan Brailford also should be back within the next few weeks, according to Gruden. Uh, at a certain point during the day, Donald Penn was up at the podium, uh, being interviewed, just going over things. And he said that he and Trent Williams are friends. He reached out to him prior to signing with the team and he kept their conversation between them, but ultimately he signed here. And he said that he's looking for a place where he has a chance to start. This could mean a lot of things, but the fact that he came here after talking to Trent pushes me to believe that Trent will be back eventually. Um, why tell someone you're close with to sign with a team that you no longer want to be part of? I really think that Trent and the front office will get these items resolved and that they'll get a chance to play with each other. I, uh, I felt like this, you know, something that's ultimately going to happen when he came here. It, it just seems to make sense. Uh, Penn said that a big key for him coming back was moving to playing back at left tackle as he played right tackle in uh, Oakland. Uh, He said playing on the right side was tough for him, especially coming off Liz Frank injury to his foot, and he needed to push off on that right side. Um, But he continued by saying he was healthy and prefers to be on the left side. Uh, He worked out during the offseason at both left and right and just to prepare himself, and that during the interview process with the Skins, they asked him if he'd be comfortable playing swing tackle if needed. Uh, Penn said they, he actually got a call from John Gruden and, uh, he texted him, you know, you can't shake the Grudens. Penn played for both in Tampa Bay, uh, when Jay was an assistant under John and he should be very familiar with Jay's coaching style and this entire offense. Um, he's also familiar with Tim Rat, uh, Rattay, the QB coach, uh, which again, they also have a relationship. Uh, Donald Penn said he likes the pieces in Washington that they have in place. Uh, he said the right side of the line he's been watching in the past and he's approaching his role as a mentor and said he came in to coach guys up. Penn has worked with Keenum in the past and he worked out with Haskins this offseason. Um, Donald Penn is already making an impact at left tackle this second week and he's showing me I think he's got plenty left in the tank. Um, although he's been starting and finishing this day with the second team next to Wes Martin, uh, behind Jerron Christian and Eric Flowers and the first team, but I would not be surprised at all to see those two groups flipped over the next few weeks or days as Penn gets more comfortable with his offense. Um, he did say that he was surprised with how fast he picked up the playbook. A couple of the calls are different, but terminology in general is the same. Uh, so... Yes, on day six, another Trent report was released, released uh, this time by Jeff Howe, saying, and I quote, The Redskins are having trade discussions regarding tackle Trent Williams, according to a source. Unclear what type of compensation they'd require in a trade, but the feeling around the league is that the Patriots would be involved due to depth issues at the position. 
So, yeah, another report about Trent. I mean, this is when the Twitterverse lost their collective shit yet again. Literally every Jamoke with an HTTR in their profile hopped on the trade train and started spewing these ridiculous trade scenarios. Multiple stories came out from various outlets about Trent's trade value and potential suitors for a trade. It got out of control fast. Uh, Craig Hoffman on Twitter tried to knock some sense into everyone by saying, I quote, If a team calls the Redskins about Trent Williams and they pick up the phone and say, we are not interested, then have there been talks? If you think yes, the Redskins have had talks about trading Trent. If you believe those those talks aren't talks, which I don't, then they haven't per sources. He later tweeted in and explained it to me like I'm five moment. If you tweet a supermodel and ask her on a date and she tweets you back a thumbs down, Did you talk about dating? No reasonable person would say yes. This is why I say they haven't had talks. This is also exactly what happened with Flacco talks at the Combine. Um, Another report came out that evening from D'Angelo Hall saying, I've talked to him. He's in a good place mentally and to figure this thing out. It's not a contract thing. That's what I asked him. I'm sure he won't mind me saying this. But I asked him, hey, Trent, what's your end game? And he said that it's not about money. Would money help ease things a little bit? Maybe so. But this is not strictly a financial situation that we're discussing. That's what makes this thing so different and unorthodox and something we've never seen. We've never had a player say, get rid of that training staff or I'm out of here. I mean, so this is a bit sensational, right? This... This, it, it's great to have a little more insight in this situation, but we've heard this information before. It's not exactly breaking news, but now we actually have a name to put with these stories and these reports. It, it bothers me, though. It, it's a little bit sensational, and it, what bothers me most about this is the fact that he went on TV and completely blew up Trent Williams' spot without you know, any regard to what's going on in his life. And just airing out his business, um, you know, it, it it's upsetting to see someone who's presumably close with Trent, you know, kind of go out there and air all this out when it's not really his place or his battle to fight. So it was another overwhelming day going through all this muck and false reports. And I ended the day with the following rant on my Twitter feed. So after thinking about Trent situation all day, going through a ton of reports, sifting through an ungodly amount of tweets, replies, and just marinating on all of this since the initial report came out, I've decided that I'm going to ignore all the noise. I think that there's enough speculation and hearsay to drive me to the conclusion that no one knows what is real. We have no more information than we did the day we found out Trent was holding out. We do have more speculation and reports from unnamed sources that, at the end of the day, could all be complete bullshit. Until I hear from Trent or his reps, I'm done with the speculation and all of the back and forth in regards to what this team should do with Trent. Honestly, none of you know what to do in this situation. You assume that because of some speculative reports, you know the full story, but you don't. You are furthering the speculation and driving this narrative. When in actuality, we have very little information. I may be dead wrong, but I am holding steadfast in my belief that Trent Williams will be back with his team and starting for us week one in Philly. Trent is a generational talent, and this team and front office understand that and should be doing whatever they they can to keep him here. So by all means, keep driving your own narratives and proposing these ridiculous trade packages because at the end of the day, I am confident that Trent will be back with his team and leading us to great things on that field. Enough people who I respect and trust have led me to this conclusion and from what I can determine from the undertones of his teammates and coaches, in time he will be back. Hashtag HTDR. So that's my feelings on the Trent situation. 
I am done with all of these fake reports and the noise and the speculation and everything else until I get some actual information from Trent Camp or the front office that is, you know, realistic. I am done listening to it. I'm done furthering it. And I have my opinion and I've come to my conclusion and I'm going to hold myself there. Uh, getting back to day six, uh, as far as the QB battle goes, Case Keenum started the day with the first team, uh, which he has started with the first team for the last five or six days. Um, Dwayne Haskins struggled a bit. He's getting a ton of uh, he's getting a ton of stuff thrown at him all at once, and it seems to you know either really excel and look great or stumble a bit and overthrow passes. Um, you know, he forces the ball. He looks a bit uncomfortable at times. It, he did not look like he did the last couple days. Um, Dwayne Haskins and Alex Smith have been spending a lot of time each day together, uh, talking, going over plays, etc. Um, if I had to conclude the day, I'd say all three finished the day looking basically the same. Nothing too notable from any of them. Uh, there were some great passes that were dropped by receivers, but the three were just vanilla, so no one really stole the show on, day, uh, on the day. Unfortunately, I guess you could say Haskins looked good, but not like the previous two days. Um, some notable items from the day. Uh, Montez Sweat walked off the field uh, and seemed to be favoring his left leg. Uh, after talking to the trainers, he headed back to the tent, followed by Dan Snyder and some of the front office and a few coaches. Um he left the tent and soon went back to the training facility. Apparently, during practice, he was kicked in the calf, but is fine, according to Senior VP of Communications, Tony Wiley. Uh, and he said he'd be day-to-day. Um, day six, another fight broke out. Um, there's a lot of back and forth during one-on-one drills between Eric Flowers and Moses Morgan. Um, and they were both involved. But the two... I guess at the center of it were Jerron Christian and Kayla Brantley. Um, the melee slowed everything down and really pissed off Gruden. Uh, afterwards, Gruden made the entire O-line and D-line run sprints on the side field and continued with the 7-on-7 seven seven drills. Uh, Eric Flowers worked at left guard most of the day with Jerron Christian and Penn at left tackle. Um, you know, I think Flowers will be able to hide more of his faults on the inside. He's got a lot less room to cover. But he still needs to show some dominance at the position, um, especially if he wants to win a starting job or even make this final 53. Um, Adonis Alexander is apparently day-to-day with an ongoing quad issue. Uh, he had a really bad camp so far, and I thought that he would continue to develop and really show out this year, but it's been a pretty flat showing in general. Maybe it's because of the injury, but who knows? I, I don't think coaches have given up on him yet, but everything that I see and read is it's not looking good for him to make this team. Um, it's a possibility that he goes onto IR or the pup, so maybe, maybe they can continue with his training and development, but we'll have to see what happens over the next couple weeks. Um, and again, notably, Alex Smith and Ruben Foster are both on the field and at camp, which is really great to see. Uh, I listened to Chris Cooley talk on one of his podcasts about a big regret of his was during his injury, kind of staying home and avoiding anything to do with this team. And it's really great to see these guys out there with the team, mentoring guys and helping. Um, I Hopefully it goes a long way in their development and just their well-being during this recovery phase. <clears throat> My standouts on the day, uh, DeShazer Everett, uh, he made some great plays. Um, Tim Settle looked ridiculously strong and on point and Cole Holcomb he's just literally all over the place dissecting plays faster each day he's uh I heard suffocating on pass coverage and he's just really picking up everything quickly and someone you probably wouldn't expect me to say Josh Doxson I think had a great day um he had some really spectacular catches on the field and came down with some impressive grabs uh, my only concern is that this is practice, and he's had opportunities to do this in the past, but it's never really translated on game day when it actually counts. Um, but he looked great on the day. I, I think he really just needs to show that athleticism and everything else when the moment comes. 
so let's move on to day seven, Thursday, August 1st. Uh, Jay Gruden's presser, he spoke about the fight. He said there is no place for fighting uh, on this team. It shows a lack of discipline, and he had to squash it. He said, I like competition, I like effort, but extracurricular fighting, there is no positive at all. Uh, Gruden mentioned that the team is going to hold out Montez Sweat from practice today, but that he should be back on the field Saturday after Friday's plan, uh, player day off. Uh, Gruden went on to talk about Wes Martin and how impressed he was, uh, especially at how much he can pull. Um, he said he can pull much better than the team thought, and now he just needs to adjust the speed uh, and stunts and adjustments. Uh, Gruden praised Cole Holcomb. He said uh, he was one of the first ones up every single day at 6 a.m. watching film on his iPad when Gruden's getting up to get his coffee. Uh, Gruden said that he wants to be great, he has the tools to be great, and he has power, speed, and instincts. He said he watched eight or nine of the UNC games and knew Holcomb was the leader in tackles over the last three seasons and liked his instincts and how he's in on every single play. I mean, this is high praise and just goes back to show that this team is very confident in the young guys that they're developing to replace Mason Foster and Reuben Foster. Um, when asked about Geis and Peterson as a tandem, uh, Gruden, of course, praised Simon J. Peter, uh, Pirine again. Um, he's been gushing about him all offseason. It should be really interesting to see the splits of carries for these four running backs in the upcoming preseason games. Um, Gruden also talked about DRC being a little bit hobbled with a sore ankle, but uh, he's progressing and he's right in the mix for the nickel corner which is great to hear because I had not heard much about uh, Dominic Rogers Cromartie, and I really like him. He's very fast, and I think he can do a tremendous amount of things for this team if he makes it. Uh, the Day 7 QB battle, Colt McCoy, I mean, his experience and understanding of this offense just really stood out. Uh, he operates the offense at just a much different tempo than both the QBs. I mean, it doesn't always translate to success on the field, but there's much more. He seems much more prepared under pressure. Uh, Case Keenum, he had a, he's been pretty consistent. Uh, he's shown some really great streaks and made some impressive passes, but other times he's struggled and had difficulty. And I mean, he's just not as athletic as Haskins, and his arm is not as good as Haskins or McCoy. Uh, but he's proven he can make really good decisions and just get the job done. Uh, Dwayne Haskins struggled again. He just showed inconsistencies in some of his throws. Uh, he just didn't look as sharp as he had in some of the other days in camp. I'm just hoping, I'm hopeful that he can learn from all these mistakes and continue to grow into the position. I mean, he he should be considered, you know, the best athlete of the group. His arm strength is ridiculous. It's just he needs experience. He needs more time. Uh, if I had to say who won the day, I'd really say Keenum took the day. He was in rhythm. He was comfortable. But uh, it did raise some question marks as far as his arm strength as he underthrew a deep pass. And, um, you know, it doesn't help him in the QB competition. But if he can do everything else and the arm strength is the one question mark, I, you know, it's going to be his job. Um, some other notable items from the day, uh, the, the Redskins waived Elijah Wellman, who was uh, lining up at fullback, and signed free agent Garrett Sickles, a linebacker. Um, Eric Flowers did not dress. Uh, he was there for warm-ups, but did not, uh, did not suit up on the day. He's out with an upper body contusion. Uh, Chris Thompson was off for a day of rest. Ross Piercebaker was off for a personal day with non-football related. Um, Jerron Christian started at left tackle with the first team and Wes Martin at guard during 11 on 11s and Donald Penn was working with the second team at left tackle. Uh, he's probably still working through the offense and getting just a little bit more comfortable before they move him up. Uh, Bryce Love and Danny Johnson were both doing some light, uh, workouts and jogging around and Jordan Brailford was up also doing light workouts on the day. Um, the offensive line and defensive line worked separately. Apparently, the jawing and fighting led to separating them for the day. Uh, Cam Sims, uh, he had an instance where he came off the field holding his neck at one point. 
he was looked at by several members of the training staff, Bruce Allen, and eventually went up to the teen facility to be looked at. He jogged out later and spoke with Jay Gruden, Doug Williams, and much later in the day when he was asked by reporters how he's doing, he said, I'm smooth. So there's that. Um, at the end of the day, the last three off the field, Dwayne Haskins, Kelvin Harmon, and Josh Norman, they stayed out there. Again, Norman was out there working with rookies, working with these young guys, doing extra reps after practice, and just being a leader and a mentor for this team. Um, it just, it's phenomenal to see. Um, the afternoon walkthroughs had been canceled because of, uh, I guess it was inclement weather. Um, and day seven, <laughs> believe it or not, another Trent story came out on day seven. Uh, this time from the Washington Post. Uh, stating that the Trent situation all started with the Redskins with a trade request on June 1st, which the team shot down. He then asked for more money, which the team also shot down. Now, they've been at this impasse since then. And from everything I've read, and please keep in mind, most of this is coming from a source with, or, you know, someone who's familiar with Trent or the Redskins, or a close to. So take it for what it is. But the team has no idea what Trent wants. He hasn't made any specific demands about what he's looking for, and his camp has been quiet during negotiation contracts, contract negotiations. Uh, so none of this is really, you know, again, breaking news. But what what is notable from the story is, and it's really interesting, it's the fact that Trent, even if he was back at camp, he would not be ready to play. He would probably be on the pup or not participating as he is still recovering from the off-season surgeries that he had. And although he is working out personally and on his own, he is still not ready yet. So holding out from OTAs, mini camps, and training camp, it just it seems much less impactful if you aren't going to play. I'm not saying that there's no merit to holding out and trying to get more money or guaranteed money or an extension. But it just seems to further the undertones that I'm seeing and further my assumption that this will all be worked out and Trent will be back with this team again. Uh, those are just my assumptions, but I truly feel that way for so many reasons, most of which I've gone on and on and on about in some of my old podcasts and earlier on this one. Uh, day seven, some standouts on the day. Trey Quinn, he looked great. He's really, really coming along. And uh, another one, John Bostic. I, I, it's been a quiet camp for him. There's not been a lot of news or reports on him, but uh, I, I, from what I've heard, he's doing well in coverage. He's calling the defense. He's been keeping pace with some of these receivers and tight ends, and he's just overall doing well in general. So, um, yeah, those two are going to be my standouts on the day. Friday, August second, no camp. Uh, it's a scheduled day off for the team. The only news that came out on the day was the Donald Penn actual contract release. Uh, and from Ian Rappaport, if Donald Penn is the starting left tackle for the Redskins, he can make $5.03 million in 2019. He gets a signing bonus of $250,000, the only guarantee. He also gets a base salary of $1.3 million a 46-man active roster bonus worth $750 and incentives up to $3 million more. So ultimately seems like a pretty team-friendly deal. And again, uh, he only really makes that money if he's starting. So, you know, I don't know where that plays into the Trent situation, but it's interesting to note. Um. Let's get into day eight, Saturday, August 3rd. It was Fan Appreciation Day. Uh, John Gruden, at his presser, uh, when asked about a potential trade involving Trent Williams, he said, I would seriously doubt that. When asked what it would take to get Trent Williams back, he said, I do not have any idea what it would take. If I did, he would be here. And when asked if his level of optimism has changed regarding Trent coming back, he said, no, I am still optimistic, very optimistic, but declined to say why he felt that way. I mean, I feel like this is great news personally. I don't know. It doesn't mean much, and it's what everyone would expect the team to say, but I interpret it as very positive. 
And again, hopefully it's a step in the right direction. I continue to fully believe this team will work with Trent and he'll be back on this team by week one. I I know I could be way off base and completely wrong, but I don't think I am. Uh, Gruden's last, I guess, item from the morning press conference was that Jordan Brailford has been activated from the pup and he did some light uh, individual workouts on the day to just ease back into the fold. Uh, the day eight QB battle, I mean, no one really looked good on the day. Not, not one was exactly accurate or on spot. Uh, in fact, they all looked terrible uh, as a whole. I mean, they did not have a lot of time to throw with the O-line struggling so much and the D just looking on point. Um, but there was just a ton of inconsistencies and rust decisions and... You know, no one looked good. That That's the takeaway of the day. No one looked good at all. Um, McCoy had a few accept, uh, connections during the day because obviously he just knows his offense well. He's able to anticipate player locations and have the ball there, you know, in relatively tight coverage and under pressure. If I had to say who won the day, I'd say McCoy just was the most consistent and played with the most poise under center. Um I guess you could say that he's won the day of the three of them, but overall, it was just a poor showing on the offensive side of the ball. Really not a great fan appreciation day, um, but I guess the defense makes plays too. So, uh, some notable items on the day. Jerron Christian started the day on the first team offensive line at left tackle. Again, Donald Penn started with the second team, and Eric Flowers lined up with the first team guard at left guard. Um Montez Sweat, again, did not work out uh, as he is coming back from this calf injury and he's just being held out for another day. Um, My standouts on the day, Jordan Reed. I mean, this guy is having an incredible camp and just continues every day. Uh, Cam Sims, another guy who has looked good. Uh, I'm hoping it translates onto the field during game day, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, Darius Geis, I mean... He's just the man. He's been having a great camp. I'm looking forward to getting him back out there. Um, another receiver who I haven't talked about much, Brian Marshall. Uh, Byron Marshall, I should say. Uh, he had a great day. He had some strong runs, found some huge holes. And, yeah, it, just, it was good to see him out there. Um, the secondary as a whole, I mean, with the offensive line struggling and the D-line as good as it is, this secondaries look great. Um, QBs made some rush passes, they struggled, and, you know, the secondary came off looking great on the day, uh, especially Landon Collins, he had one ridiculous one-handed pick, uh, off Colt McCoy, and in the end zone, he brought it back about 50 yards, and with the fans being there, everyone went wild, it was probably the highlight of camp so far, um, you know, it, it, it's exciting to see Landon Collins out there, uh, he is an extremely talented young man, and, you know, he's making plays out there. It's great, great, great to see him. Uh, Quickly on day nine, Sunday, uh, August 4th, uh, Gruden, in his morning presser, he discussed Darius Geis. Uh, They said they're increasing the workload on a daily uh, basis. He said he seems good. He looks good. Um, Caleb Brantley hurt his foot yesterday. Gruden called it a mild Liz Frank sprain, uh, and he, that he really hopes it's not serious. Now, I'm not too sure about that. Uh, from everything I've read and looked into, a Liz Frank sprain, whether it be mild or not, could be very serious, uh, but we will have to see how this one plays out. Um, Caleb Brantley is an integral part of that, the depth of that front five, and you know, that could be an impactful injury, but we'll see what comes over the next couple of weeks. Luckily, it's early in the offseason still. We still have preseason games and weeks left before the regular season starts. Uh, again, on Sunday, Montez Sweat did not practice again. Uh, Gruden said that the average recovery time for this injury is typically three to four days. So I guess with that metric, he's on schedule. Um, and when Gruden was talking about the QBs, he said, Colt has the most experience, but hasn't played a whole lot. He's never worked with the starting team a whole lot, and we have to get him more reps. Case has the reps, but not experience in the system, and Dwayne's a rookie. All have shown flashes. 
all flashes of what we have to get better. Uh, he said that during the preseason game, the QBs might split time on a game basis and that not all QBs will play in every game. Gruden also went on to say uh, Adonis Alexander might miss a few weeks with his quad injury. And he said that with the depth at each position, it means they're going to take a while to set an actual depth chart. There were some groups that were solidified. Uh, however, some groups won't be solidified till after the third preseason game. Uh, the QB battle. Colt looked the best with the first team offense. Uh, he looked very comfortable in the pocket and he really had a command of the offense and just, you know, he took a lead on the day. Uh, up to this point, he'd been throwing a lot of interceptions and he seems to got it, have gotten that more under control as of late, but, you know, he'll still need to work on that and temper it if he's going to be successful. For a second day in the row, the QBs just have looked bad. I mean, overall, They've all been struggling with their timing and getting into rhythm. It was just an ugly day all around for the QBs. Um, yeah, nothing notable. No one really stood out. And I mean, that's not great for three guys that are in a competition. Um, but we'll see how these guys play during the preseason games. And maybe something clicks for one of them over the next couple weeks. Uh, some notable items during the day. Um uh, Moses Morgan, uh, several guys didn't practice. Moses Morgan, uh, he took a day for rest. Adrian Peterson has a lower leg issue that he's also resting on. Uh, Quentin Dunbar had an illness. And Greg Stroman had a groin issue, and he'll be day-to-day. I mean, overall, it's just a light day. Really not much to go over. Defense looked good, as always. The offense struggled. The passing game was a bit suspect. But the run game, I mean, it looked great. Um, at the end of the day, Paul Richardson got up to the podium. He discussed the offensive struggles, said that the whole playbook has been open, so some guys are getting used to it. Also, that the defense has been playing well, and, you know, camp is just catching up with everyone. Um, the end of the day, the first death chart came out, um, and, you know, it's a death chart in August. I mean, it shouldn't hold much weight. You know, there is a few interesting items on there. Uh, You know, notably, Colt McCoy was listed as QB1. Uh, J.P. Finley went out and said, it makes sense, you know, putting a senior guy in that role of QB1 as he's been there the longest, and it's more of like a figurehead position. If you give it to Keenum or Haskins, then it's theirs. They have to lose that job, and you really can't take it away. Um, So I'll get into the depth chart in a minute. Uh, my standouts again for the day, Jordan Reed, uh, again, what a camp this guy's been having. And uh, Paul Richardson, he, he looked really good on the day for another one of those guys who we haven't heard a tremendous amount during the last couple days, but he had a, he had his day today. Um, so let's get into the first unofficial depth chart. And again, this is an August depth chart. Doesn't mean much. Uh, at running back, we have Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis, Chris Thompson, Samaje Pirine, Byron Marshall, Sean Wilson, and Craig Reynolds. Tight end, we have Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, Jeremy Sprinkle, Matt Flanagan, J.P. Holt, and Donald Parham. At wide receiver, we have Paul Richardson, Terry McLaurin, Kelvin Harvin, Josh Doxson, Cam Sins, Brian Quick. And at slot receiver, we have Trey Quinn, Darvin Kidsley, and Steven Sims. Left tackle, Jerron Christian, Donald Penn, and Corey Robinson. At left guard, Eric Flowers, Wes Martin, and Hugh Thornton. Center, we have Chase Royer, Tony Bergstrom, and Ross Piercebaker. Right guard, we have Brandon Scherf, Zach Kern, and Gerald Foster. And right tackle, Morgan Moses, Timon Paris, and Blake Hance. Again, they have Colt McCoy listed as QB1, Case Keenum at 2, and Dwayne Haskins at 3. On the defensive side of the ball, at uh, defensive end, they have Jonathan Allen, Caleb Brantley, and Ryan B. At the other defensive end, Matt Ioannidis, JoJo Wicker, and Jonathan Bonner. And at nose tackle, Deron Payne, Tim Settle, and Austin Malo- Malota. Uh, at strong side linebacker, they have Ryan Anderson, Montez Sweat, Marcus Smith, and Miles Humphrey. 
At inside linebacker, they have John Bostick, Cole Holcomb, and B.J. Blunt. The other inside linebacker, they have Sean Dion Hamilton, Josh Harvey Clemens, and Marquise Flowers. On weak side linebacker, they have Ryan Kerrigan, Casanova McKenzie, Jordan Brailford, Andrew Ankra, and Garrett Sickles. Uh, cornerback, they have Quentin Dunbar, Fabian Moreau, uh, Jimmy Moreland, DJ White. Uh, the other cornerback, they have Josh Norman, DRC, Greg Stroman, Adonis Alexander, and Ashton Lampkin. At free safety, Monte Nicholson, Troy Apke, and Jeremy Reeves. Strong safety, Landon Collins, DeShazer Everett, and JoJo McIntosh. Now, uh, none of those really jump out and, you know, say anything. And, you know, I'll, I'll get into it in day 10. Uh, day 10, Monday, August 5th, uh, when asked during his press conference about the depth chart, Jay Gruden says uh, it's something he had to do. It's just words on a page. He wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for the media. So it's meaningless. He doesn't. He didn't want to do it. He just had to do it. Um, so I guess that says all you need to about the depth chart. I mean, it it, it is what it is. Uh, it's somewhat reflective of who's leading this, uh, I guess, charge and who's going to be in that final 53, but it's really not that important at the moment. Some other notable uh, items from Dre Gruden's press conference on day 10. Uh, he said Eric Flowers has done fine. He's adjusting to the nuances of playing the position. He's picking it up, and it's definitely going to be an adjustment for him to move into the guard position. Uh, however, he said he has the size and power you want at guard. Now it's just a matter of getting him more comfortable you know, from a mental standpoint. Uh, Gruden said that Greg Stroman and Montez Sweat are both being held out again, and Adrian Pe- uh, Peterson would not practice again because of a, of a minor ankle issue. On Paul Richardson, uh, he said yesterday was probably the best day he's seen him run and that he could be a major force for us. And when discussing the prevention of injuries, Gruden had the following to say. <clears throat> well, I think that well, I think that's what this camp is really for on your depth. You pretty much have a good idea with most positions who your starters are, but now it's important to find out who the backup and core special play- team players are and your depth position and possible practice squad guys. We have a lot of guys competing in that regard. As far as injuries prevention is concerned, we have added the recovery centers. We've done the best we can. We have the massage therapist. We have all kinds of things that these guys can take advantage of. Now it's their responsibility to do that. It's our job on the field to make sure we're aware of how much they're running and not overworking them. 7-9 in two years in a row. We need, that. we need the work. We have to work them, and there's only one way to get ready for a game, and that's the practice. You've got to put the pads on, and you've got to get the practice football in order to get good at football. So, I mean, that's pretty impactful. It's just Gruden saying, you know, we're doing everything we can to eliminate these injuries, but we need to play these guys. There's nothing you can do. It's the middle of August, and we need to figure out who's going to play on this team for us. Um, The day 10 QB battle, uh, I would say Colt, you know, easily you know, had his best day. His was in rhythm. He was on target. He was in control of the offense. And then he went down with a leg injury. Uh, so we're unsure of what exactly it is. He was held out from the final two-minute minute drills. Uh, and it was later said it was for precautionary reasons. But just when, you know, a guy gets a little confidence, confidence he gets named QB1, he gets in rhythm, he, he's looking good. He gets hurt. Not not a great look for Colt. Uh, we'll see how major this injury is and if it's really going to be impactful or if it's just nothing. If it's just, you know, a quick bump in the leg and, and that's all. Uh, Dwayne Haskins had some great throws during two-minute drills, but again, he was just very inconsistent on other throws. He's still having trouble with fumbling snaps, um, and he came up late on some deep balls, which really upset Gruden. Uh, I mean, he made up for it later, but just the consistency is not there. The continuity between days is not there. 
And as great as he looked to begin the week, you know, he did not end it well. Uh, Haskins said that after every play, every rep, if he has a chance to go over and talk to Alex Smith about it, then he does. Asking him what he saw and how he would have handled the situation, what he could have done better, constantly just talking about what's happening on the field and how to improve. I mean, it's really great to see Alex out there, and it's really great to see a guy like uh, Haskins utilizing him and trying to learn from these mistakes. Uh, As far as the day goes, the three QBs look better than they did the last two days, but there's really not a definitive leader in the pack. McCoy probably took the day, but with that injury and going down, it who knows? Uh, just who knows? Um, some other notable items on the day: Kelvin and Harmon, uh, Kelvin Harmon and Josh Norman worked out again after practice. Uh, Case Keenum and Doxon also stayed out after practice to work on roots. Um, Eric Flowers slowly progressing at guard. Uh, he had some good reach blocks, got up into the second level. You know, he really held his own against a much more dominant D-line. Um, so he's growing into the role. He's developing. He might just make that guard position after all. Um, but a lot of time and a lot of uh, ex- action left to be seen. Um, Donald Penn may not be 100% with his offense yet, but he can definitely do the job. He's very strong. He's dominant. And once he engages, he is in control of the situation. Montez Sweat at one point walked out of the building with his pads and a helmet and headed towards the practice field. Uh, He was grabbed by one of the strength coaches and they brought him over to the side field where he continued to work on individual drills. Um, At one point during the day, Haskins was at the podium And he said that he's finally starting to find a comfort level out there, but it's been really tough on him because he's not getting the amount of snaps and reps that he's used to in college. So he has to sneak in other ways to improve. Um, The day was called short because as the team was walking out for their afternoon walkthroughs, there was thunder. The entire team turned around, went back inside, and canceled the rest of the day. Uh, Some standouts on day 10, Monte Nicholson, He's ready to get out there. He's ready to take some heads off. He's looking good. Tim Settle, again, looked great. He's quick. He's dominant. Um, He's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And Sean Wilson, uh, he's fast. I know I haven't talked about him much, but he looked good out there. Uh, He's getting some play time, and it's going to be interesting to see how all of these running backs share their time um, over the next couple weeks, especially in these preseason games. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Moving on to day 11, Tuesday, August 6th. Uh, Gruden started his day with his presser. Uh, Began with talking about Colt. He said he's fine, that he will participate in practice today. He brought up that the team had made their decision for which QB would start in the first preseason game, but he wouldn't tell us until the start. Uh, He wouldn't tell us who would start until everyone makes it through the day clean. Uh, he did say the team plans to start three quarterbacks in the final preseason game. And to come th- to think about it, I don't think Gruden ever told us who would be starting. Uh, I believe it's going to be McCoy based off that depth chart uh, and his practice yesterday and just how I think Jay is thinking. But I guess we'll see Thursday uh, during the first snap of the game. Uh, Gruden talked about Darius Geis. He said he's to be determined for Thursday. He's prepping like he'll play, but it's a coaching decision that will be made closer to the game. Um, And that the team will spend the day doing heavy situational practice and working on a lot of substitutions, just making sure everyone's ready and that special teams is ready for the game. Um, Gruden said that Sweat, Peterson, and Stroman will probably not practice today and unsure if any of them will travel to Cleveland. Uh, He said, quote, I haven't made that decision yet. We haven't made that decision yet. So, I mean, that's interesting. But again, it's preseason. It'll be interesting to see if those guys are there or not. Uh, On the slot corner position, he said, yeah, right now we've started it. It will probably be Fabian Moreau, but Jimmy Moreland's done some great things out there. Of course, we have Greg Stroman who can play still in there. So there's a competition in there for that, for sure. Uh, Just to talk quickly about the QB battle, 
Gruden say, uh, said McCoy has looked great at times, but has been up and down a little bit too. And again, Haskins finished the day with uh, you know, a set of really great passes. And he had a pretty day, good day overall, but he's still learning and developing. And, you know, he looks sharp, but he's just not there yet. Um, if I had to say, you know, again, who took the day, I'd say McCoy probably edged everyone out. Um, and, you know, followed by Keenum and, you know, Haskins at the end. Uh, some notable items from the last day. Uh, Jordan Brailford. Uh, he limped off the field at one point into a tent and it was later reported that he had aggravated his groin. Uh, someone said it made it looked like he had made a bad plant on the ground prior to going down. So we'll see what that is. Uh, they're already a little bit thin at that position. But uh, again, it's early. We'll see what he comes back with and if there's actually going to be any time missed. Uh, Jordan Reed was off today uh, as he was resting. So that's it. I mean, today was the last day before the game, and it's the last training camp practice till Saturday, which is the last training camp practice overall. Um, so training camp, week two. I mean, there have been some standouts for this last week, uh, notably Jordan Reed. I mean, he can move anywhere. He can catch anything. He's creating a lot of separation, and he's uber fast. If he can stay healthy and play like he's been playing, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with on this offense, and he could have a really, really good year. Uh, Terry McLaurin, I mean, he's been playing outside. He's been playing in slot. He's been playing inside. He's all over the field, and he's been playing each position really well. He is really fast. He's been burning DBs, catching everything thrown his way. I honestly think he's going to make a push for a starting job, uh, whether it be over Doxon or Richardson. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, he's looked phenomenal. And, again, we'll see if he can translate that to on-field success. Uh, Cam Sims, another receiver, having a great camp. He looked great last year. We'll see if he could stay healthy and, again, push for a lot of playing time this season. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, Jimmy Moreland, he looked phenomenal. Um uh, he seems to be everywhere. He's making plays. He's really making a name for himself. Uh, Landon Collins, he is, I think he's proving to, he's proving that he was worth the investment and he's a leader on the field and he's just looked great. Uh, he's been phenomenal. Uh, the front five on the defense, I mean, what more can I say about these guys? They are the best group on this entire team. They are ready for this season. They work hard. They work out together. They are... They, they just have everything that you want from a group. And um, they're going to lead this defense to great things, I think. Uh, the amount of pressure that they're going to bring up the to the O-line, it's just going to benefit everyone on that defense. So... Uh, yeah, those guys, I think, have really stood out this last few days. Um, and I just want to spank it a second. Uh, Josh Norman and DRC, they both spent a ton of time helping these young players and rookies on both sides of the ball. Um, they've both shown such leadership and just have no problem mentoring players when they can. Um, not only to help the guys on defense, but to go out of their way and help some of these rookie receivers just... It really speaks a lot to their character and uh, what this team is trying to do with the players that they have here. Uh, it's great to see that from two veteran guys, two, you know, at one time probably best in their position guys. Uh, it's really good to see them staying involved and taking that leadership role seriously. Um, so those are the standouts. I mean, it's exciting to see this team finally coming together and to see who's really rising to the occasion and who's not. Um, I think uh, when that final 53-man roster comes out, there's going to be, you know, some surprises. Uh, but, you know, based off of everyone's development the last couple of weeks, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise because we know who's really putting in the effort and who's really showing out. Uh, to just quick touch on some other news around the NFL, uh, someone who's sitting out training camp, did end their, their holdout. Uh, Michael Thomas, 
wide receiver for the Saints. He signed a five-year, $100 million contract extension, which includes $61 million guaranteed, uh, which I believe makes him one of the highest-paid receivers in the league. Um, some other notable players that are still sitting out, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Melvin Gordon, Yannick Nagaku, and, of course, Trent Williams. Um, on, I guess it was late July, uh, Mike Daniels was released by the Packers. Uh, two, late, two days later, he signed a one-year deal with the Detroit Lions. Um, on the 30th of July, the news broke that the Cowboys are going to be sued for approximately $20 million for an alleged cover-up uh, based off of a severity of a car crash. Uh, the car crash involved Ezekiel Elliott. The team said, uh, or the defendant, I guess, said that the team conspired with the local PD to cover up the severity to ensure Elliott's health would not be in question for an upcoming playoff game. So I'm not sure how that one's going to play out. That could take a while to really come into effect. But it's an interesting thing. It just seems to be another thing Zeke Elliott is involved in. And again, it's against the Cowboys. So, you know, good for us, right? Uh, on August 1st, there was some Hall of Fame inductions, uh, notably uh, Gil Brandt, Johnny Robinson, Kevin Maui, Pat Bowen, uh, Ty Law, Ed Reed, Tony Gonzalez, and Champ Bailey. There was some Redskins news that came out of this. Uh, when asked if he ever considered going to the Hall of Fame as a Redskin, Champ Bailey said, I mean, no. It was never on the table. No one from Washington had even called me until three days ago. Nobody. Let's be honest. Should the team have reached out? Sure. But literally literally, no one from this team was here from the five years that Champ was on the team. Uh, I did find out later from John Rakheim that uh, the team, uh, especially Dan Snyder, took out a full page in the program to congratulate him from the Redskins. So to me, this is really a non-story, but people are using it to take a shot at ownership in the front office. I just say, who cares? I mean, you know, congratulations to Champ for going in. He had some great years here. He looked phenomenal while he was here. And, I mean, he got traded to the Broncos, where he made his Hall of Fame career and guaranteed his spot in Canton. Um, I, again, I think it's a non-story. It's just funny that... You know, everything seems to be a shot at the Redskins. Um, but, hey, you get used to it after a long enough time, I guess. Uh, and the last item uh, that broke today, Zeke Elliott's management informed the team he will hold out for an entire season unless he receives a new contract, which is interesting uh, considering he's still under his contract for another two years. But, uh, you know, he's... We'll see what happens. Uh, it was said that Dallas has made offers, very generous offers, to all three of them, Zach, uh, Zeke, Dak, and Cooper. So I guess it's not enough. I guess they're far away, far off on, on the negotiations. Uh, but I'm sure that he won't get what he's looking for until Dak is locked up, and they'll probably pay Cooper first as well based off of him cooperating and being there. Um, but again, these are just some quick items from around the NFL. Um some notable stuff. Uh, so I want to talk real quick about this Thursday. It is our first preseason game of the year against the Cleveland Browns. Um, this Tuesday's practice was the last one uh, until Saturday, which is our final training camp practice. And I'm just excited to see a preseason game. Um, you know, it's... I'm not typically excited for preseason, but there is so many question marks and so much stuff going on, so many stories and, and things developing that it's going to be interesting to see this game and who plays, how much they play, how they play under pressure. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching it. Um, and yeah, I, I'll probably do another podcast after that game or, or sometime later in this week once I can gather my notes and my thoughts and get everything out. Um, so yes, Thursday our first preseason games against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, should be interesting. I really hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. 
Um, the second week of training camp has been really exciting. Uh, to see which players are rising to the occasion and who is winning these position battles has been great to watch. Just to see this team progress and develop over the last couple of days, to see who's taking the next step, um, it's just been tremendous. Um, I'd like to thank everyone who's been on Twitter posting videos, uh, doing play-by-play, uh, especially notably John Kime, Paul Connor, J.P. Finley, Ben Standig, Craig Hoffman, Mish Tischler. Um, you guys have been my eyes and ears on camp, uh, and it's been very helpful uh, for someone who can't be there to get all of this information and to try and digest it and consume it. Uh, it's been great. Um, as always, thank you guys for listening. I would love to hear feedback from you guys and what you think, any notes, suggestions, ideas, anything that you want to share with me. Um, And please, 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 if you enjoy what I'm doing here, by all means, please review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Just give it a five-star rating. Write out an actual review, whatever you want to do. Uh, You know, just search Off-Season Champions and hit the link to review. It really goes a long way in helping the podcast reach a wider audience uh, for other people to find the podcast. uh, And I would truly, truly appreciate any help you guys can give me. Um, If you guys are on Twitter, please follow me at HTTRChamps. That is at HTTRChamps. And again, thank you guys for all of your support. Till next time.